Hello, 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 everybody. My name is Aaron Johnson. I appreciate you rocking with me uh, wherever you get your podcasts at. So uh, thank you and welcome to Degree of Difficulty. I'm really happy that everybody's here. Uh, we've gotten so many great uh, responses. I've gotten so many great responses from the way the podcast is going. Uh, even my rant yesterday, I, I'm sorry about the rant, but at least the Yankees won last night, so I'm happy about that. Um, I'm really happy today to be joined by uh, a, a cat here that I've known for, for a couple years now. Uh, Henry Chisholm. Henry is a uh, former New Haven Register sports reporter, also former sports anchor over at uh, WTNH. That's the New Haven affiliate of ABC here in Connecticut. So I've known Henry. Shoot, man. I met you when I was in college, right? Something like that. So Henry, man, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, We're going to be talking a lot about a lot of different things. We're going to be talking about, you know, NBA. We're going to be talking uh, summer league stuff. We're going to even dabble with a little bit of uh, a Dreamville album there for all my hip-hop heads but um Henry talk, talk to the people a little bit about uh your background and you know coming on the show here and just you know the kind of kind of guy that you are yeah yeah so um so we met back when I was working for the register and I was covering uh southern football I was covering UNH uh college football and I met up in the press box I believe but uh but yeah I got my start back in 2008 I was in college um, at the University of Bridgeport, I'd wanted to be a, a journalist, a sports journalist, probably since I was like nine years old, even if I didn't know, like I used to, uh, ask my dad to bring home newspapers like USA Today and things like that. And just like read the, read the sports section. And, uh, so I always had a, a passion for it. Even if I like, didn't know, like I actually want to do this for a living. And, um, I even, I'm dating myself back when I would play NBA Live 98 on PlayStation. Oh, you did just date. Not not, not PlayStation 2, 3, or 4, just PlayStation. I used to, uh, I used to turn it down and, uh, try to be like the commentator when I was like playing the game. So I always, always liked it. Um, got into it, uh, in print at the Connecticut Post back in 2008. Um, thanks to one of my professors, uh, one of the, one of, one of two black teachers I had throughout my entire time in school. Uh, her name was uh, Professor Skeeter, Sharon Skeeter, and she got the um, editor-in-chief of the Connecticut Post at the time to come to the University of Bridgeport. This was during, like, the election season in 08 with Obama to kind of just talk about how news media was covering uh, a black candidate. Um, and Hillary was still in the, in the running as well. It was before, like, he had won it and everything, so... Um, just how they were, the differences in how they were covering a female and how they were covering, you know, a person of color and how they were covering, you know, McCain and everything. So um, after I went over to him and I was like, listen, I freelance, I sent you guys some articles, you didn't run them, but other, like, publications did. What do I need to do uh, to get something in your paper? Like, if I, um, if I email you some things I'm working on, can you just, like, critique it? And the next day they offered me a job. So I started there. Um, like I said, 08. So wait, wait, uh, let me let me let me hop in real quick. So you came up to him and was just like, "Look, some of my stuff isn't running anywhere, um, but I, I was run other places, but you guys haven't run it. So like, what what do I have to do? What 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 is going on? So what did they tell you? Like, or did they just flat out say, "Hey, or come come in tomorrow, we're gonna talk to you, and then here's your first job." So he uh, he was kind of taken aback by that. I think he was just like surprised that like anybody came up to him. <laughs> After you he got big with class. him real quick. It's okay. You can say it. You can say it. this is a safe place. You can say you got big with him real quick if you did. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I was cool. I was just like, like really just trying to learn, you know. So I was just, I was just curious as like, so what do I need to do to like get stuff published? And um, he, he seemed intrigued. Like, oh, that's cool. Like this kid, you know, really wants to do it. So he was like, yeah, send me your stuff. And um, I got his email through my professor and um, sent him some things that night when I got home. And uh, the next day when he replied back, he was like, just come in on Saturdays and, and paginate. So I started laying out pages, uh, wanted to write. So I started a basketball blog back then. And um, that just kind of like led to everything else. Like I ended up working for MSG Varsity in New York. Rest in peace to MSG Varsity in New York. I was, uh, I was I working out there and remember, producing and then they had me on air because of my blog so they were like oh yeah you know pretty much what's going on in connecticut and fairfield county for high school basketball and stuff so just come on and talk about it because i used to prep the talent and tell them like okay. you know this team basic is nice and they got demetrius thomas and jamel powell and this one's a really good shooter so uh, you, you, you know i think this school is probably going to beat there, that school so they were just like why don't you just go on and do it and i was like all right fine so um yeah and then from there i went to the register 2012 did that for four years, got laid off, got brought back, and then went to News 8. And that was my last stop. Yeah, and I mean, I remember when you were at News 8. I remember when you were there. I remember when you were at the register, like I said, when I first met you. And um, I, I, I just said, you were somebody that I, I did always kind of be like, okay, I, I can see like my path to get to here. So I'm, I'm like super happy that you're here on the show with me, bro. Um, I know there's been a lot of stuff happening. I've been, you know, me and you are friends on Instagram and other social media. So I've seen your reaction to some of these things. But I want yeah. the people to get your uh, your reaction because if I remember correctly, you are a, a Los Angeles Lakers fan, correct? I am. I am a Los Angeles Lakers fan. You yep. are a Lakers fan. So take me through the, the, the 72 or, or 96, wherever it was, when Kawhi was sitting there trying to make his decision. Did you really think that you guys were going to get Kawhi? Because I didn't, I didn't, and then I did, and then I didn't again, and then I ended up you know, being right when he ends up with the Clippers. I'm going to sound crazy in saying this, and I know I'm, I'm definitely in the minority in saying this because everybody – had just, like, agreed somehow. They've just, like, come to convince themselves that if he was playing with LeBron and AD, they would have been a super team and won the championship. I didn't think so. I don't think that wing players fit well with LeBron. Like, really? agile, athletic wing players. I don't, I don't think they work with him. Like, so I didn't think we were going to get Kawhi, and I honestly didn't want him. Like, I, I was happy with AD, so, um, so my, but, my main concern was, like, we need to get some shooters. Well, I, that's yeah, what I, I wanted. Say, so I feel me, like that's how LeBron plays his best. Let me ask you this. Did you really think that even if you guys got Kawhi that you weren't going to win a championship? Like, you say you didn't think it was going to be a super team. But come on, bro. You know they were going to be a super team. You did, and then it doesn't take long for LeBron to start to mesh with these kind of guys. And then, you know, one thing leads to another, and they're holding the trophy at the end of the year. So you really didn't think none of that was going to happen if Kawhi went? No, I didn't. Just because I think, I think LeBron – I like LeBron. I think LeBron is great, but he's hard to play with, and he takes up a lot of space. And when you have players who play similarly, and you know how you have guys who are like system players. Like if you put them in the system, they're gonna they're gonna play well. Like the Tony Kukoc or Steve Kerr. I'm you know dating myself with those references, but like guys like that. Where like if you put them in a system where there's ball movement, man movement, they're gonna produce. You take them out of that. 
they don't really do that. Kawhi and LeBron are the antithesis of that to me. Like, they don't need a system, almost to the point where if you put them in a system, it restricts them. Mm -hmm. So if you take LeBron, who is at his best when he's at the top of the key, when he's coming off screens and driving to the basket, when he's got the ball in his hands, and you put Kawhi on that team, who also is at his best when he's in that same position, coming off screens and settling somewhere in that mid-range around the elbows, taking pull-up jumpers, um, you can't really have both those guys be effective at the same time if you take one of them off the ball. Even if you put LeBron James in the, in the high post, he's not. I would much rather LeBron be in the high post with his back to the basket, taking fadeaways, than with his head down, driving to the basket, really? forcing the entirety of my defense to collapse. You know, so I, I just felt like LeBron needs guys who help him space the floor, and I felt like Kawhi would jam it up, or you would end up with like the Miami Heat situation where. They won a lot of championships. Well, they won two. But LeBron and D-Wade together never really worked. Like, they had but, to but go to playing positionless basketball you, for that to work. But, bro, how can you say that, that they never worked when they, they were in the NBA Finals almost every year? They won the championships, what, two two times? Two out of three two, years? Yep, two, so, in a, two in a row. Two, out of, two in a row. They were in the Finals against the Mavericks, uh, against the Spurs twice, and against the – who was the third – the fourth team that they were in the Finals against? Um, oh, the, oh, and the, and the Thunder and OKC Thunder. Yeah, that was the um, first one, twenty twelve. Yeah, exactly. Season. That was KD's first time. The 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 great nation that crumbled. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. but seriously, like how I I don't I think they were a great team, and the reason why because Kade, I'm sorry, um, Dwayne Wade and LeBron, they were able to make that work. You don't think that even based off of the stock? Because remember, D, D Wade had to take a step back. You don't yeah. do you think that something like that would have had to happen here and that one of them wasn't going to be able to do it whether it's LeBron taking a step back or Kawhi taking a step back? Yeah, it would have definitely been that. And I and I think when I look at the Heatles, um Dwayne Wade needed to take a step back because he was the older lesser player. So, it was fine. LeBron ended up having to do a lot, especially 2013 when they beat the Spurs and 2014 when they lost to the Spurs. His usage rate was insane. Like, he basically was playing every position every game. And um, I think that took a lot of – that took a toll on his body. You know, I think that's why, like, last year you see him with the groin injury, miss as many games as he did. I think he can attribute a lot of that to – or just like in the years past, just watched him, like, just not play defense at all. I think he can attribute a lot of that to those Miami Heat years because he had to do so much for that team. They finally caught up with him. mm that's, but that's, I, that's I think if saying. you look at the Lakers, if they would have got Kawhi Leonard and LeBron on the team, you don't really want either of those guys taking a step back. You want them both to be able to maximize their ability, and they can't together because they take up the same part of the court. So I, I just think, I don't think it would have fit. Okay. Okay. No, and I can understand that because I know, like I said, I've had a lot of conversations with some people. I don't agree with you because I do think that eventually that Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James are good enough players that they would have made it work. I'm not saying they would have run through the league like people because there's you know parity in the league as it is. I don't yeah. know if they would have run through the league, but I, they definitely get at least one ring at the end of the day. Uh, but so Kawhi ends up on the the Clippers, you know, the crosstown Clippers. rivalry. 
Um, I don't want to talk about my Knicks because um, I'm, I just don't want to talk about my Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you want to talk about the Knicks? Man? Uh, talk about the Knicks dude, a little like, bit. Right, what they I, do this offseason? They got Taj Gibson. He was real good in uh, NBA yeah, 2K. We got Taj Gibson. We, got, we, got <laughs> we have Taj Gibson. We have who else? Marcus Morris. We got we've got nothing but power forwards. I have my. Yeah, man, man. it's like the 2007 Detroit Pistons, man. Yeah, no, yeah, so, so great. That's a, yeah, I'm I'm excited for the basketball. No, I'm serious. But I think when it comes to, like, the way that the NBA is set up now, there's so much parity, and we've heard so many different people, so many different analysts say this, that the parity in the league is going to be ridiculous this year because this is really the first time that, you know, there are multiple teams that have opportunities to win a championship here. And I remember people saying that, and I had to think about it for a second. Um, I had to think about, you know, the Bulls, obviously, in the 90s. I, I, I get that the Rockets won the championship in, in 94 and 95 when Jordan wasn't there, but yeah. anybody that knows basketball know that those are Jordan Jordan's rings, basically. So Jordan and the Bulls run through the 90s. We get to the early 2000s with the Lakers dynasty, three in a row, and then it was like kind of Lakers-Spurs, Lakers-Spurs. You, you sprinkle in the Pistons team in 04. You, mm-hmm. you sprinkle in the Mavericks team when Dirk had that insane finals, but for the most part, that's kind of how it went. And then the, the 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 torch got passed over to the Miami Heat teams and teams with LeBron James on it. So, or the Kobe Bryant years, I should say. And then the teams with LeBron James. That if I if I miss Kobe Bryant, I guarantee you, Henry would be like, "Oh, word, you're gonna you're gonna disrespect my team like that." <laughs> I was thinking about. I was like, I'm just gonna let you go. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, you and my brother are both diehard uh, Lakers fans, and I can tell you right now when the the one image I have of that Kobe, like those years when he it was like his second background or back backtrack, I should say, with those with those Lakers teams, yeah. and he was getting ready to leave, but then he said, "No, I'm going to stay" because they started surrounding him with like Paul Gasol and Trevor Ariza that one year, uh, Ron Artest the next year. Yep. And then, like, I just remember when he hit that 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 game winner against the Suns, and he like held the fist out and everything. My brother walked around with his fist out for like a week and a half after. That. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember I was like, dude, come on, I get it, I get it. But this is really the first time where we can sit here and say, you know, when you look across the NBA, especially in the Western Conference, you have so many teams that can win a championship this year, and I I think it's amazing for the league. What do you think about that? I think it's I think it's good for the NBA. I think they need they need everybody to stay healthy because I felt like the past couple of years there's been a lot of injuries to big name players. I think even if you go back to the year when Zaza Pachulia put his foot out and Kawhi got hurt, um, there's just been a lot of injuries to big name players, and they've been substantial injuries that have kept them out for a long periods of time, and it's it's really affected how the playoffs played out. I think if you look at the NBA Finals this year. If it wasn't for the fact that the Golden State Warriors basically just broke, you got a team that's going to win three championships in a row, and maybe some of those guys, maybe you know Kevin Durant comes back. I don't know if he does because it seemed like that relationship had fractured with him and Draymond and him in the front office. Mm-hmm. But again, that fracturing started because of no pun intended his injury. So, um, you know, I think I think if, if guys can make it through the season and they're not just broken, which I think is it's a heightened probability of that happening now because there is so much more parity the games are going to be much more competitive guys are going to be playing a little bit harder even though you know you don't want guys going 100 percent during the regular season because it is so long it is you know 26 weeks it is 82 games you don't want guys like really burning themselves out in games that don't matter 
But because the playoff positioning is going to be so important, a home court advantage is going to be so important, and teams do have a realistic shot of winning a championship, it heightens the probability that someone's going to get hurt. I, I remember the last time the NBA felt this wide open was 2008 um, <clears throat> when the Celtics won it. And that year, wait, 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 I, I want to I wanna say in the Western Conference, wait, the wait, top Henry, seed in the West like shifted every week for like the last like month of the season, from the Lakers mm-hmm. to the Spurs to the Hornets. See, I was I wanted to, to ask you a quick question: Who did the Celtics beat that year in the I can't. It's, it's, it's starting to it's starting to. I can't remember. It was it's on the tip of my tongue. I, I feel like there was a wheelchair involved at some point. Like you know, I I can't remember. Do you remember that game? Do you remember that? Series? I don't know. I got a crappy memory, so I don't know what happened that game. What happened to Paul Pierce? <laughs> oh my God! They need to take they need to take that same wheelchair and take Paul Pierce off of the TV screen. But I digress. Um, <laughs> One thing that that has come out in the news, especially in the NBA the last couple of days, is something that Charles Barkley said about Zion Williamson. And the reason why Mm. I want to talk about Zion, and yes, I've said it before on um, previous podcasts here, that I was of the New York Knicks ilk that believe KD, Kyrie Irving, and Zion Williamson were coming. Really? I I had the, the plan set. I mean, I watched the lottery like you. I, I watched the lottery like it was the Super Bowl. Like it was. I rushed home from work to make sure I like told all my friends to shut up on Xbox. Like it was a whole big thing. <laughs> so, um, something that Charles Barkley said in a recent interview talking about Zion Williamson kind of goes back to to you know Zion Williamson's weight. Now everybody knows that Williamson is a freak. Six seven, two hundred eighty five pounds, coming out of Duke, number one overall pick. He's expected to be one of the heaviest players in the league coming into next season. And yeah. Barkley, and I'm looking at Barkley's here in his prime with 6'6", 250 pounds. I was just playing with And that's I, wrong. I, I always thought he was like 6'4", 6'5". He's 6'2". He was like 6'2", <laughs> 6'3". He was little. You 6'2"? He, he, he had to be like 6'2", 6'. I don't think he was 6'4". Because his, his height went all over the place from when he was in Aub- at Auburn uh-huh. to the Sixers, Suns, and Rockets. They had him all over the place. So he was probably... He was probably six two, six three. See, I, I, I think he was. I give him six four because I, I, I just can't think that somebody six three, six two was getting rebounds like that. I just can't. I, I, I'm sorry. It's all about positioning. If you listen, if you've ever played basketball at the YMCA, especially <laughs> the one downtown Bridgeport, you and and you get into a pickup game and it's those old guys that that come to the gym just to play basketball and talk about like when they were nice at Harding and Central back in the 80s. Uh-huh. And there's always one dude that's got a big butt. <laughs> and if he boxes you out, you're not getting the ball. <laughs> so, I mean, that's Chuck, man. That's what he's like. This is how I used to do it back in the day. Boy, I'm going to show you right now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe you're right on that. I, I just, I got to see. I, if I ever stand next to Charles Barkley, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of like gauge myself. I'm 6'2", so I'm going to gauge and see. But Barkley said, quote, I was fat, so I needed to lose weight. I don't know what Zion's perfect playing weight is going to be. I thought 300 was my perfect playing weight in college. I had to lose 50 pounds to become a Hall of Famer, end quote. And that's the God's honest truth because that was something I've always read and and seen about Charles Barkley and even talked about with some friends about Charles Barkley was the fact that he was so big coming out of Auburn. And I I believe it cost him a a spot on the 84 Olympic team, which was is nuts when you think about it. And so he had to lose weight to get to that point. And I, I think, 
and yes, I get it. I'm I'm not a salty Nick fan because Zion Williamson. We didn't win the lottery. I can't. I I got R.J. Barrett. I got to ride with R.J. Barrett and R.J. We trust. But and for Zion Williamson, I think he's going to be a weird combination of like how Blake Griffin plays, but then also how someone like a DeAndre Jordan kind of play. Like I don't think he's going to be yes, he has the freaky athleticism, but back in 2007, 2008, we thought Blake Griffin was the craziest athlete we've ever seen. We've always yeah. thought that that uh, that Derrick Rose was a freak athlete. 6263 able to jump out of everything and do all these kind of tricks. And I don't know if his game at that size, because he was so physically dominant, dominant in college. I don't know if that's going to translate to the NBA to the point where people are going to think he's, you know, a 26, 27 point per game player. I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, funny story about Charles Barkley is when he was going to get drafted, um, I forgot who, I don't know if it was Philly. I don't think it was Philly, but I think there was another team that there was rumors that wanted to take him, but they had concerns about his weight and he didn't want to go there. So he went and just ate a bunch of food to try to gain weight. So when they saw him, they wouldn't want to pick him. But <laughs> that sounds like something you would do. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I read that in a book about the 84 draft, but, um, no, with Zion, I think Zion's issue isn't his weight. I like what Barkley said at the back end of that quote where he said Zion has to find the right playing weight for him. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily his weight that's going to be the issue. His jumper is very slow. Like, he's got a really slow release on his jump shot. Um, I just think he needs to figure out the skill part of his game. And, you know, because I think when Blake first came in, obviously Blake benefited from being a bit taller. Because Blake's like six eight, six nine, something like that. So, you know, he was able to get certain things off just because of his height and his length that Zion probably can't do. Um, so he's just gonna have to figure out like what his game is, and I think a lot of that falls on uh, on Alvin Gentry's shoulders of just knowing where to play this kid, knowing where to put him. Uh, he's got a good coach for that, so he'll be fine. And I think it falls on um, on the personnel. Like I like what New Orleans did. They put they put guys around him that. Um, are good at controlling pace. Like Lonzo's, Lonzo can't shoot. And wait, wait, he, wait. What do you mean, Lonzo? Lonzo, he's got an okay jumper. You got to watch his jumper for the last year and a half. <laughs> he has an okay jumper. I mean, I'm glad you brought up all the Lakers that got dumped in New Orleans, but I always thought Lonzo could, you know, he, he kind of shoot. Nah, he can't shoot. He was like 46% from the line, I want to say, last year, something like that. And maybe I'm wrong at 46, because that's like Ben Wallace territory, but he was bad. But he's good at controlling the pace. Absolutely. He's good at dictating the pace. Same thing goes for, um, I think, Drew Holiday is still there. Mm-hmm. He does the same. So, you know, and then they, they went and they picked up um, uh, J.J. Redick who can shoot. Josh Hart is a good shooter. So they have guys who can keep things going and, you know, keep the, the flow of the game going so Zion's not having to be, like, in, an, in ISO situations because I think he'll struggle there. I think with, with someone like that, you want to get him in high screen rolls. You want to get him out on the break. You want to create offense with your defense and let him get into a ladder that way until he works on, like, a, you know, a, a good consistent jump shot or just a couple of good moves in the, in the high post if he could get those off. I think, I think he'll be fine. It just may take him more time. I, th- I think John Morant will find his footing in the NBA faster than Zion, but Zion may have a, a more explosive career. 
See, I think that John Morant is definitely going to be the best player out of this draft. I, that's just that. That's my. Per- I think he's going to be the best way out of this. Draft. I think he's gonna as much as I, you know, and RJ we trust. I hope I'm wrong about this because I want to build a statue of RJ if we win a championship. I want to <laughs> do it. But if he leads us to a championship, I'll say. How do you feel about summer league? Did, did that did that concern you any? The it, beginning of summer league. See, no, the beginning of summer league didn't concern me because I know a lot of people were looking at, and I did. I watched that. I oh yeah, no, I definitely watched that first game. I had to see that. I had to see even if it's the summer league jersey. I got to see him in a Knicks jersey, baby. But yeah. um, I, it didn't concern me as much because I look at it as two things. One, it's the first game of summer league. Last year with the first game of summer league. Kevin Knox dunked on eight people, and I was I was ready to jump. You know, I was ready to get my ring fitted at that point. <laughs> and and so we kind of saw how he struggled, and and kind of went into his set. He's going into his second year now with you know under a microscope a little bit because people were expecting great things out of him. So did he miss time last year? Did he get hurt? He got hurt for a little while. He missed a little bit of time, but it wasn't like crazy substantial. I think he missed about maybe like 10, 15 games. You know, it was it was enough where you noticed him gone, but it wasn't enough where, you know, it was going to make a big difference in the next season. They were going to end up in a lottery anyway. But, <laughs> but I, I, I got a little bit of, you know, I wasn't as crazy about the RJ thing because one of, you know, I'm, it's still your first summer league game. Let's see. If he played like that throughout summer league, then I might have gotten a little bit concerned. But just the first couple games, a slow start, I got no problem with that. And the second thing that I think a lot of people weren't looking at, though the top three guys, we've known who the top three guys in this draft were gonna be since the lottery, since before the lottery, really, since they all declared. We knew the top three guys were gonna be Zion Williamson, John Moran, and RJ Barrett in that yeah. order, just about, unless somebody got crazy for RJ Barrett. But they were doing no training. And I know, I think Coach K came out and said, like, you know, Zion's out of shape. All these guys got to be out of shape, at least those three. They've been doing so much, so many things other than just playing basketball that they didn't get a chance to, I at least think, they didn't get a chance to get the reps that they would have needed to be prepared for summer league. Like some of these other guys were like, like what's the guy from the, the Celtic, Carson Edwards, who just like lit summer yeah, league on fire. I like him. I was surprised he went so late because he, he could really shoot it. And I think the way the game is going, guys like that are like, you, you need to have a guy like that. And I've, I've, I've talked to some of my friends, and, and one of my buddies in particular, he loves Carson Edwards. I mean, yeah. to the point, every time he played a game, it screenshot that stat line, baby. Put it in the chat. Let's talk about it. I knew I was right. And yeah. I, I did say that I thought Carson Edwards coming out was going to be a little bit too small. But I agree with you that he can he can shoot the dog on basketball, man. It's it's impressive to watch. And you're right, the way the game has shifted, where nobody cares about, and that's why Carmelo Anthony can't get a job. One, well, one of the reasons why Carmelo Anthony can't get a job because nobody really cares about taking that 15, 20 footer anymore if you can shoot it from thirty five feet out. It just one two one two and you know one three. The three is more than four. Last time I checked, I know we're I know we're journalists, but I, I feel like math should still be that kind of easy for us you know what i mean <laughs> and, and also too i think the way that the, the way that the game is played right now like size doesn't really matter as much i think if um <clears throat> excuse me i think if you uh if you can shoot the ball and you can get open you know especially being that like i would say since the 90s when the game like really slowed down and got to like a grind it was really physical you know hand checking the knicks the pacers utah san antonio teams that really like to get into you and, and beat you up um, you know, when that style of bat when when Jordan retired, that style of basketball wasn't really 
fun to watch anymore. It wasn't fun to watch teams score in the 70s. You know, you wanted to see teams put some points up. And I feel like since maybe about 2002, 2003, they've been changing all the rules to make it so offense, the offense has um, advantages so they can get some points up because in addition to the, the game being so physical, guys also couldn't hit jump shots around that time. So they couldn't consistently knock down jump shots. So, you know, I think with all the rule changes, like the uh, the little semicircle in the paint where, like, you used to be able to get a charge, but now it's a block and, you know, getting rid of hand checking, it's made it so the three is a more efficient shot and it's an even more efficient shot if you can get fouled because there's so many different ways to get fouled now that it just makes more sense to play for the foul. So I think if you're a small player, you've got good uh, good handles, you know, if you can get somebody, to, a bigger player to come out and check you, and you could get him, get him up in the air with a pump fake, you don't even have to seriously be trying to make the shot. Just get contact and get to the line for three free throws. So guys like Carson, I feel like you, you need you need players like that on your team. So was there anybody else in Summer League to you that really stood out? Because, I mean, I got a chance to catch a little bit of the Summer League. Admittedly, most of my focus was on the Knicks. Um, I thought that some of the guys that were down there were a little, you know, like I, I, I don't know about you, but the fact that Cameron Payne, was still in summer league for me. That that just that I don't dude. If he's not in summer league and actually scoring, scoring, then we have an issue because you've been in the NBA for like four years. Even if you didn't, even if you didn't really play, but you got yeah. guys like Brandon Clark that won the MVP of the summer league, and some other guys like uh, like Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks is somebody somebody that really stood out to me. Uh, I yeah, know I, like, I like him. Year. He's good. Yeah, so I I think that some of these guys. Was anybody else that you could think of that really kind of like stood out from from summer league this year for you, or was it kind of like a eh, it was all right, you know, nothing too crazy to write home about? It's still summer league. Nobody nobody jumped out of me. I feel like in years past the basketball has been better. I think this is probably one of the worst years. I didn't watch a ton of summer league just because like the quality of the games to me were just really bad. I, I just kind of feel like the value of summer league is for guys who are second round draft picks trying to get signed or. Um, guys who are trying to get a two-way deal or something like that. I think the big name players that like you used like I because I remember when summer league started back when like Eddie Curry and, and Tyson Chandler were rookies coming into the NBA out of high school, and um, you know you watched it because you want to see those guys or even you know when Lonzo and, and Kuzma were rookies a few years ago watching them play. But I think because so many of the big name players don't play long enough, you just end up watching guys who are just trying to get a contract, and it's just not. It's not the cleanest basketball, so nobody really jumped out at me as like, man, this guy's really gonna, really gonna show out. But um, you know, I, I, it's it's interesting because like I feel like in years past, I had seen that, and this year just no one did it because I remember the year when the Warriors won the championship, the first one, 2015. Mm-hmm. That summer league, Draymond played, and he lost a lot of weight in the summertime, but nobody had a summer like that for me. I, I think, like, the Taco Fall thing was a good story. Um, Carson was, was fun to watch. Uh, but outside of those guys, nobody really. There's another person that I saw who's been in the NBA for a while that I saw playing summer league, and I was like, why is he there? But it's yeah, outside of that, it wasn't that intriguing. No, nah, but it's nuts when you have that, that, like, why are you there in summer league? Because I remember with um, – I was going back, cause especially like I said with Cameron Payne, because that was one that I'm telling you, I just don't, I don't, I really don't get it. And yeah. I went back, and there was a clip, 
And I had to like double check this because at first I thought it was a typo, but it wasn't a typo. And it was from like the 2010 Summer League. And for some reason, J.R. Smith was in the 2010 Summer League and he was like flying through the air, dunking on me. I'm like, J.R. Smith was like averaging like 16 points in the NBA at this point. Why yeah. is he in Summer League? But I think that was the year where they had like the strike. So I must, I have to go back and look at it because I think he probably was just playing there because he knew the strike was coming. Trying to get a, trying to get a run somewhere here and there, but I I, I got to put you on the spot here, and I'm gonna do this with you know a couple of a couple of the people that I know are gonna be big basketball contributors, hopefully for the show and for the podcast here. Um, I gotta ask if you know one gun to your head right now, uh, you gotta pick an NBA Finals next year. Who are you picking? Uh, for the Finals next year, who am I picking? I am gonna. Huh, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. You can so say the Lakers. I'm gonna it's roll okay. This, with... is a, this is a safe place. You can say the Lakers if you feel that they're gonna win. <laughs> no, no. See, see that that's where I'm that's where I'm jammed up because I've put on Instagram who I how I think the East and the West is gonna line up, and I think the East the Western Conference Finals is gonna be the Lakers and the Blazers because I think the it's gonna end up being one two. Mm-hmm. I can, I think the Blazers are gonna take the take the West in the regular season. I just I like I like that team. I think that team is built up really well and. I think when you have a culture, you can add people who have questionable characters to it, and they don't become a problem. You, you know, say, you I think when they side. do become a problem, it's because you lack a culture and you're just trying to fit people in there. And I don't. I think with with Dame and Coach Stotts and CJ, like they they have a culture that they've established. I think Hassan won't be a problem, and the team is good. The team is good. So, um, and they have a superstar in Dame and CJ. I think it'll be them and the Lakers. I got the Lakers getting out of that. And in the East, I um, I like Milwaukee, Indiana. And I would take Milwaukee in that. So I think it's going to end up being Lakers and uh, Bucks. And I would say the Lakers should take that in six. I, I like the Indiana pick. That's a little bit something that people aren't going to really – Kind of look up because obviously, even though they're basically going to be the Celtics from last year, the Nets are kind of going to be like the sexy pick. Where do you think that Brooklyn's going to fall out in that situation? I mean, Indiana getting all the Depot back is going to be huge, but I, oh yeah, it's good to see that you got them that 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 high going that far. But where do you see some a team like like the Nets going and, and ending up? Uh, they'll be a six seed. They'll lose in the first round. If they don't, they'll lose in the second round, probably like a five. That's not going to be a great team. Like I think. Uh, I got some Nets when, listeners, man. I hope you know you're going to be making a lot of people upset. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be average. They got an average roster. They were an average team last year. They were fun to watch, and they were, like, really exciting. And, you know, I think when you have units like that and you break that up and to try to put that back together, it takes some time. I don't think Kyrie necessarily has the personality to do that. I think he's got the skills for it. But I just don't know if they have enough talent around him for it to actually matter. So he'll have days where he goes off and everything. But um, what I see for them is just kind of like, and again, this is an old reference because I'm 32 years old, so a lot of my references are going to be old. But um, when Stefan Marbury went to the Nets, when he left the T-Wolves in like 2000 or 2001, I want to say that was. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be like that. And I don't think that they're, they're not going to be bad. Like that. Like those Nets teams are bad. Those Nets teams had like Jamie Fike and like didn't make playoffs and all that. Like they're, they're going to make it to the playoffs. They're not going to have home court advantage. And I don't see them getting out the first round just because they just need more. If they had KD, then I would say they'd probably finish third or second. But um, without KD, KD. 
it's just it's just, it's gonna be difficult because now you can now you can take your entire game plan like when Kyrie was playing with LeBron, you couldn't really double him when he was in Boston jacking up shot after shot and dribbling the the clock out and which he didn't do that the first year he was there, but the second year he was there and he was doing all that nonsense. Like, you really still couldn't key on him because Boston does such a good job of moving the ball, moving bodies. They make you have to respect everybody, and they have good players. But I think if you look at Brooklyn, outside of Kyrie, nobody else on that team really wants a double team. So now we could just take our entire game plan and just key on this one person who is talented and is skilled but can at times be very inefficient. So, you know, I I don't think they're going to really get I don't think that's going to beat a team. You know, like I think Milwaukee's a team. I think Indiana's a team. I think like units like that, you can't beat them with one guy. Well, I got one for you that I think if they can stay healthy, they got a real shot. Because I do think Milwaukee is the favorite coming out of the East. But if they can stay healthy, this is the one team I think that can do something with Milwaukee, and that's Philly. Because I think that Joel Embiid, if he can stay healthy, is a top five player in the NBA. Mm. And that is that's just that's what it comes down to. I don't trust Ben Simmons. I said it. I said it on on one of our earlier podcasts, one of the earlier podcasts I did. I don't trust Ben Simmons, but I trust Joel Embiid, and I I trust the process when it comes to him. But he's got to stay healthy. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. I'm afraid of him staying healthy. I pick. <laughs> I even I did. I even picked them coming out of the East this year until he started getting hurt. And because mm. I had I had no faith in in um I had no faith in Toronto. I I've said I had no faith in Toronto. Not and that and not that I didn't have faith in Kawhi. I just had no faith in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. They they don't deserve it. <laughs> they yeah, haven't I, I had no it faith. I didn't, <laughs> man, I didn't trust, especially after Kyle Lowry went with like oh of nine in that first game against the Magic. Oh yeah, no, I was like they're gonna mess around and lose to the Magic. Like this is ridiculous. So yeah. I had no faith in them. But um, I, see, I think the worst was uh, the year before when they lost to the Cavs in Game One. And they were winning the entire. They were winning the entire game and lost the game. <laughs> that that to me is like I've never seen that in like 22 years of watching basketball. I've never seen a team be up for 48 minutes and lose. You, I knew, and, and the and the best part about that game, and, he, and really the only thing I remember about that game, other than the lead that they blew, was Valanciunas missed that, like that bunny at like the end, three of them. and you knew when he missed that the series was over. Yeah, oh yeah, no, it was like, you can see it in their faces. They don't want to play anymore. Oh, they were yeah, like, no, you know the what? The series was over. <laughs> Summer's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And so that's the only – I definitely picked uh, – I picked Philly last year. I, I, I still want to pick Philly this year if they can stay healthy. I think that um, losing Brogdon is going to be huge for, for Milwaukee. Um, that's my only fear with them. I do think – like I said, I do think they're the favorite. Um, losing Brogdon hurts. Uh, I want to see Oladipo come back, but – I think in two years it's going to be interesting because when when KD comes back and I've been I've said it to several people I don't think KD is going to be a hundred percent I wanted Kevin Durant until he got hurt once he got hurt I was just like eh all right because yeah. um, that's a tough injury to come back from so I think that two years from now is going to be interesting but next year I think it's going to be between Milwaukee and Philly I think it might be more than two years like Achilles injuries especially the fact that like. He hurt his calf, and then report. He reportedly hurt his calf, and then reportedly hurt his Achilles. I now it people were assuming that like it was the Achilles the first time, and they were lying about it. Um, regardless of what the situation, whether it was his Achilles, whether he hurt it and then injured it, or whether it was his calf and then his Achilles, that's an injury where it's going to take him. 
probably two and a half. I don't think I don't think it's a guarantee that like twenty 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 one. He's gonna be back and ready to go. Like it, it might, it might be until maybe like All Star Break 2021, where KD is like back to being KD again. Because those injuries take time, and in addition to the time it takes to just like get get to a point where you can work out again and play basketball again, now you have to get your rhythm in live action. Like you could shoot around all by yourself as much as you want or play pickup games, but it's different when you're actually on the floor. And then you add to that. Now you're tr- now you have to learn how to play with other guys because the the Nets what what I see them what I see uh, for them this year is like kind of what LeBron had with the Lakers last year up until he got injured where it's like you're just trying to kind of see how you fit with the pieces on your unit so you know okay next year here's who we need to keep here's who we can move and I think that's what's going to happen with Brooklyn so the team that he comes that that KD plays with isn't going to be the team that they've got now so he's going to have to figure out all these different play styles in addition to trying to get himself back to 100%. So that, that, the Nets thing is, is good for the fans, and it's cool for Brooklyn, and, you know, it's, just, it's, it's hilarious that it happened to the Knicks, but it might not necessarily, like, pan out in the way that they want. Like, as, as far as Philly, um, I don't trust them. I, as, long as, they get, as long as they can't make jump shots, I don't have them winning anything. Mm. They'll win their 48 games, their 45 games. They'll get to the playoffs. They'll play against a team that they're better than as far as talent is concerned. They'll beat them in five or six. They'll get to the second round, play against a team that could game plan and has the uh, talent to um, to put them in positions where they have to shoot jumpers and they'll lose. Dude, you had me going with you until you made that little Knicks, the little Knicks jab. <laughs> that, it, was, it was just a little unnecessary in my opinion, but we're okay. We're going we're gonna to try and move past it. But no, and I, and I do. I think... And like I said before, Ben Simmons is somebody that I don't know if I'm giving him $170 million over five years just because he can't make a jump shot. And I think that's yeah. going to be key for them. But the other big part is if Joel Embiid is healthy, that entire dynamic of that team changes, 100%. But, yo, Henry, I want to change gears real quick because we want to wind down here. Um, and, and I had talked to you about this before we got on. And I, I've, been, I've been just bumping this. My, since it came out the other day, uh, <laughs> the Dreamville album, uh, Revenge of the Dreamers 2. I was with a couple of my good buddies um, from from college and everything when, when it came out. And, and we were listening to it and we're talking about it and breaking it down. And I, I know I, I saw you getting hyped about it. I mean, <laughs> please hand they me should the pay me, man. I'm like the street team. <laughs> nah, man, it was. I won't say you were like the street team. I would definitely say though that like I could tell that when when like I said when I saw that you would put out on Instagram and tell you like please hand me the bazooka. I had to read it like that. That's, that's how you have to read it. I was just I said, oh my god, and I have Wells Fargo Bank. That you know how hard it was for that song to come out to me. Like how I, I was bumped. I had when I had my student loans hit, my rent hit with all that, and I got a Wells Fargo <laughs> bank. Whoo wee! But I gotta get your take on how, what you thought about the album because I said I've gotten a lot of uh, you know positive reviews from people that I've talked to. I love the album, but I wanna I wanna get your take as a as a as a uh, member of Dreamville yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so as a as a fan, my my unbiased. I do my best to give an unbiased fan. I thought I thought it was really good. I think. One of the hardest things to deliver on is um, when there's a lot of hype, and they you can you can almost say they kind of overhyped it just with like the you know the golden ticket because I was actually on my honeymoon 
the first day we got out to, to Costa Rica for my honeymoon was January 6th. And that's when they started posting, like, snippets in the studio and, like, the golden tickets and stuff. And, like, as a fan, I remember Revenge of the Dreamers 1 and Revenge of the Dreamers 2. So, and and typically they were just, like, they were compilations, but it was, like, a sampler. So they would put songs on there that were going to end up on people's albums. So I was like, oh, that's dope. So that means, like, Jid has something coming out. And I know Cole's been talking about the fall off and, you know, Ari's probably gonna. This is probably gonna have some songs from from Ari's album because Shea Butter Baby hadn't come out yet. So I thought it was that. But then when you start seeing all the other people that they were inviting, and it's like, oh, they're putting together like a like a sixty minutes of funk, funk master flag. So like a like a DJ Clue the professional type of like like compilation mixtape almost as an album. And I was like, wow, that's that's a lot. That's a lot, and that's like that's easy to screw up. So I I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought it delivered. Um, it's it's cohesive, which is hard to do when you have so many different, like, diverse sounds and voices. I thought they were able to um, veer outside of their lane, but also kind of stay in it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I know Eve, the, um, the label's president, he put together, like, he, he him and Cole kind of, like, put together the, the track list and the sequencing and everything, and I thought, it was, I thought it was great. And I thought, too, everybody brought their A-game, like, lyrically, uh, vocally, uh, just creatively, I, th- I thought it was it was one of the one of the more like entertaining projects to come out this year. Um, I would say outside of that, maybe uh, Mustard's Perfect Ten, but like yeah, I, this this album is just like it, it's 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 just really it was really well done, well put together. Um, just the production was really good. I'm I'm glad that like they kept people to eight bars on certain tracks, mm-hmm. you know, like um like Down Bad or Don't Hit Me Right Now or uh, mm-hmm. or Costa Rica, like songs like that where they had two rappers share eight bars within a sixteen bar verse. Like I think like stuff like that was smart because you know you got to bring your your A game for those eight and you get different voices on the record. And it's a lot of people, but the song doesn't feel like it's taking too long to finish. You know, so I thought it was it was it was just well put together. It was well thought out. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Nah, and that's one of the things that I thought so too. I really enjoyed the fact that and it was something that you had said that it was so cohesive because the, the whole album just flowed so well for me. Like yeah. just listening from start to finish. It's been a while since I sat down and I listened to a, a whole album from start to finish that I really sat back and said, Wow, this is I don't gotta. I don't. I don't gotta skip nothing on here. I like this. I'm just. I'm laying yeah, back. Yeah. I had to think of my top five though, and I. I hate to put you on the spot. I already did it once, but I had to think of my top five, and so I'm. A, I'm gonna say my top five. I'm gonna let you get a second and t- say your top five. My top five. I had down bad. That was. That was the just the I, everything about that. So when when J Cole came on the song, came on that track. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. And when he says <laughs> OJ Cole, first of his name, Law May he Reign. Yeah, I yeah, just, he, he killed that. I wanted to get on <laughs> a dragon, that. bro. I wanted to jump on a dragon. I was like, this is this is amazing. So so yes, yeah, so I love that track. I love Lambo Truck. And the reason why I love Lambo mm. Truck, because my, my roommate he he has me playing Lambo truck a lot when we get in the car because he's like, bro, my favorite part is when they talk about Robin J. Cole. <laughs> and the video that came out before the album even came out was like the reaction of J. Cole when uh when when the guys were talking about, oh yeah, we're gonna go rob J. Cole. He was looking around like, yo, these dudes really about to rob me. <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was so funny. Wells Fargo, obviously, we talked about that a little bit before. Um, nineteen ninety-three. 
I've been, uh, yeah, I, 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 I really always want to kind of say that first line, but this is a family friendly podcast for the most part, so, <laughs> so I got to keep it, keep it clean. But um, yeah, 1993. I said I was, you know, I was born in '92, so I, I like that anyway. And then um, yeah, Sunset was cool too. I, I like, I like Sunset. Mm. Like it was, it was, it was mellow. I like not mellow, but like it was something I could vibe to. I vibe to that hard, like just. Kind of just sitting in the back in the car and just like nodding your head to it a little bit, just like mm, maybe get like a little gritty when you. Mm, that's kind of how I looked at it. Yeah, yeah. So, so I got to right, so actually I'm... interesting because I was looking at um, I follow obviously as a fan, like I follow all the fan pages, and somebody did a screenshot. There's a point in the Revenge documentary where they have like the whiteboard with like a working track list. And Sunset was supposed to be called God Flinch, and it was supposed to have Drake on it, and it was supposed to be on Chase the Money's album. So I don't know if that exists somewhere, and that's going to pop out at some point, but Drake was supposed to be or is on that song, and it just... That versus maybe didn't make the project. I don't know. But. That's the song that Drake should have released after the after the Raptors won the uh, won the championship. I'm gonna just say that because <laughs> that stuff he gave was I garbage. Know. I wasn't a huge fan of that Rick Ross one. I like the first one where we were just saying I think it's Omerta or Murder. Like mm-hmm. that that was dope. But the one with Rick Ross, I wasn't like too crazy about. But my top five, I would say um, Sacrifices. Ooh. Sacrifices is number one for me. Um, oh Wow Swerve is number two. Swivel is number three. Don't hit me right now is number four, and down bad I would say is number five. Ooh, I like don't hit me right now. I like I was yeah. I was singing that coming into work. So I was like, don't hit me right now. Don't hit me. Right now. <laughs> so nah, it's 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 all love. It's all love. This I think like you said, we both agree that it was a good album. It was, it was very well done. So shout out to Dreamville for doing that. Dreamville, give me free stuff. Nah, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> um, Nah, but Henry, bro, I I appreciate you coming on here and, and rocking with me for a little bit here. I I really hope that you can come back on. This has been fun. Maybe during basketball season, football season, we get a chance to kind of chat a little bit more. And uh, and I do. I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, man, this is great. I'd love to be like a like a per diem basketball correspondent. That'd be cool. Oh yeah, no, I got you. I got you. Great jobs for myself. And, 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 I mean, no, I've been career is gonna be like three years, so I might as well. <laughs> if things start going bad with the Lakers, I definitely got you, man. I definitely got you. <laughs> but guys, thank you everybody for tuning in here. It has been amazing here having having my homeboy here, Henry Chisholm, um, rocking with me on the show. Uh, so this is degree of difficulty again. I appreciate you guys listening. If there's anything that you need from me, you know, I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Do not hesitate to reach out. Geeky journalist on Instagram uh, at Aaron Johnson underscore on. Uh, on Twitter and so yeah no I'm glad that you guys like the show so far I've been getting a lot of good uh, good feedback from it so we're on Spotify right now trying to get onto the other big ones trying to get on uh, Apple iTunes that's still or Apple Podcasts I should say that's still coming down the pipe but um, wherever you are like it subscribe to it share it share it um, share it so <laughs> just let me know let all the people know what's going on and uh, I'll be back either Friday this week or I'm going to have to push it the next week depending on how certain things up but again don't forget got mike mallory coming on the uh, podcast next week so that's gonna be a really good look there too so appreciate you guys listening and i'll catch you soon